Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Have you ever heard the phrase, the devil is in the details? I was researching that this past week. That came about in the mid-90s. The devil is in the details. And, And basically what it usually means is that the little mistakes are made which cost us ultimately the big price. The devil is always in the details. But really, the devil in the details stems from another phrase which dates back all the way to the 1800s that says God is in the details. And the man's name was Ludwig Mies van der Rohe. He coined the phrase God is in the details in the late 1800s, in fact, he was born in 1866 and lived all the way to 1969. He was an architect, built some incredible buildings, not only in Germany, but also in America. But he is remembered for this statement, God is in the details. And you may have heard this one, less is more. Those were his two phrases that he lived by and that he died by. He did not believe that the devil's in the details. He understood that God was in the details. So this morning, the title of my message is, The Devil Shouldn't Be in the Details. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 43. Ezekiel chapter 43. Ezekiel's a a neat book. Really, the history behind Ezekiel is that when King Solomon dies, he has two sons, Jeroboam and Rehoboam. Both of them want to become king. Rehoboam goes to the throne. He is starting to really fade away from the Lord. So Jeroboam steps up and for the first time the nation of Israel splits. We now have Israel under the reign of Jeroboam, which were ten tribes. And then we have Judah, which under the reign of Rehoboam, that had two tribes. And Rehoboam took his group, his followers, and they fled south near Babylon. And as the Bible tells us, as time goes on and Rehoboam is a wicked man, he begins to lead his nation further and further away from the Lord until finally they fall into Babylonian captivity. Just as you should know, anytime you walk away from the Lord, you are going to fall into some serious captivity. And so they are under captivity, and now Ezekiel, the prophet of God, is going to send them a message. And the message basically is that they need to understand the reality of God, that God is a loving God, but God is also a just God. And that they are going to face God's judgment unless they repent of their sin. And we need to understand there will come a day when you will face the judgment of God, even though you may think you're getting away with murder right now. The only way you and I will ever escape the judgment of God is through repentance and restoration, and of course, the reality of redemption. So I'm in the book of Ezekiel reading it, and I'm in Ezekiel chapter 40, and I've read three chapters, and I'm like, Lord, 
you may not talk to the Lord so much when, when you have your quiet time, but I do. And I was reading in the book of Ezekiel, I said, okay, Lord, I don't get this. I have read three solid chapters. I've read 95 verses on the rebuilding of the temple. And, and Lord, I'm so glad you have given me every description you can think of about the temple. Lord, it would have just been better to give me a picture. You know, God, I'm, I've read three chapters, and, and Lord, I've, I've understood how the doors are going to be, how the courtyard's going to be, what's it going to be decorated like, what's the writing on the walls going to be. Lord, why? Why have you gone in such great detail to explain to me the temple? And of course, I hear, we'll continue reading. So I started reading, and this is where we pick up in Ezekiel chapter 43, verse 10. He says, Son of man, describe to the people of Israel the temple I have shown you, so they will be ashamed of all of their sins. See, Israel were worshiping all kind of other gods, and he says, I want you to understand, show them the exact replica of this temple, how it's going to be built. So they will be ashamed of the way they're living and the things that they're doing. Let them study its plan. And they will be ashamed of what they have done. Describe to them all the specifications of the temple. Including its entrances and exits and everything else about it. Tell them about its decrees, its laws. Write down all. And I want to repeat that. Write down all these specifications and decrees as they watch so they will be sure to remember and follow them. Now is where it gets good. Verse 12, And this is the basic law of the temple. Absolute holiness. The entire top of the mountain where the temple is built is holy. Yes, this is the basic law of the temple. God went into great detail about the temple so that Judah could understand how detailed they needed to be in their love for God, their worship of God, and their life for God. Although this is the description of the future temple where they will reign, to be honest with you guys, we can clearly understand how we are supposed to be. After all, 1 Corinthians tells us that we are the temple of God. And our temple is to be holy. So why is the devil in the details? It's simple. Because God's not. See, if God were in the details of our lives, the devil wouldn't be. But because God is not in the detail of our life, the devil is. Now I have to admit, my wife will be the first one to tell you, I'm short, and I like everything short and to the point. Let's not draw this out. Make it long. Give me the Reader's Digest version. I just want it point blank. But we need to understand that if everything in our life lacks detail, even if a few things in our life lack detail, we're going to be in trouble. And in the few details we have in our life, if it lacks the Lord, we are in deep, deep trouble. And so as I am learning... And as the nation of Israel is learning, is that God wants to be in every detail of your life. Every detail. Not just the way you come to church and worship Him on Sunday and on Wednesday. 
He wants to be in every detail of your life. And there are like three key words I think we can learn from uh, this passage this morning. And we go back to, to verse 11 where he says to write down all. Write down all. The word all means that God wants and God demands to be the all in our life. God wants to have every part, every aspect, every breath you take in your life. Every bit. The reason why Ezekiel had to write the word all down was because Israel slowly but surely slipped away from God. Actually, Judah did. And now they're suffering the consequences of Babylonian captivity because of their sin. And when God is not the all of our life, we're going to slowly slip away from the Lord and we're going to fall into sin. God is very detailed. Let me just help you out with this. So if you go back and read Ezekiel chapter 40, it actually goes from 40 to 45. There are 153 verses about the temple. 153. So if God is going to write 153 verses about the Bible, it must be important to him. Have you ever been around somebody and all they talk about is one thing and one thing only? And they go on and on and on and on, you know? That's because that's their love, and it's very vital in their life, and it's important in their life, and they're explaining that because that's all they think, eat and breathe. Well, the temple is very important to the Lord. We are God's temple, and we are very important to the Lord. And if God's going to take 153 verses to describe that, then we should pay close attention to what we're doing in our life. Details are a vital part of the Lord. In fact, here's another fact. If you ever go back and read Matthew chapter 1, anybody ever read Matthew chapter 1? If you got the King James Version, it's Abraham begot, begot, begot. And you're thinking, why is this even in the Bible? 16 verses about the lineage of Jesus. Why is this even in the Bible? I'll tell you why it's in the Bible. Because it will show you even in Jesus' lineage, there were some corrupt, ungodly people that God changed their life and made them godly and holy. But that's the details. And sometimes we don't want the details, so we skip over them. And when we skip over the details is when we get in big trouble. Details are important. And God wants to be a part of the details of your life. That word all is so important. So for instance, here you go. Luke chapter 10, verse 27 says this. The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. All your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Notice that God says, hey, Jesus is replying. If you want to know how you're supposed to love the father, it's simple. You just don't love him with all your heart. You got to love him with everything in your being. Not only you got to love him with all your mind, you got to love him with all of your emotions. You got to love him with all your strength. Your love should be for the Lord. That's what it should be because it's all. And, and sometimes we want to leave God out of the little details of our life. And God wants you to know this morning, I want to be in every detail of your life. I love this quote by Philip Reeve. He says this, Even tiny children looking at a picture book are using their imaginations, gleaning clues from the images to understand what is happening and perhaps using the throwaway details which the illustrator includes to add their own elements to the story. See, even a small child is looking for the big picture. And they're, they're looking at everything. 
And, and you as a parent already know that sometimes a child will do something and you don't even have to ask yourself, where in the world did they get that from? You simply say, I know where they got that from. They got that from my wife, right? No, I'm, I'm teasing. <laughs> they get that from their father. They get that from their mother because they are watching every little intricate detail of your life. The world is watching every little intricate detail of river of life. And we have to be sure that we are putting this picture so grand and glorious to the Father that they'll say, I want their Jesus. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 is a familiar passage. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do and He will show you which path to take. Do you realize this morning that if you are seeking the Lord with everything, you're going to cut down on a lot of mistakes in life. A lot of the problems we have in life are self-inflicted, and our self-infliction comes that we are not asking God what to do here, how to respond here, what to say here. We're just simply thinking what we feel is best, and we proceed, and then we get in the mess we get in, then who do we blame? We blame God. God, how could you let me get in this mess? And the Lord's like, I didn't want you to get in this mess, but, and God's so kind, God really never says, I told you so. Every now and then he does. But if we'll follow the Lord with all, he'll take us down the right road. Now that road may not be easy for you. That road may be a little bit challenging for you. But do you understand, wherever God's going to lead you, it's for your best interest. And wherever God leads you, it's for your growth and for your betterment. Wherever he leads you. But we want God to lead us down the golden road of sunshine and rainbows and unicorns. And that doesn't happen. God's going to lead you down a road to grow you. God's going to lead you down a road to try you. God's going to lead you down a road that you'll mature as an individual and as his child so that you can be mature in your faith and in your livelihood. For without challenges and without trials, you'll be a weak, anemic person. We need these trials. That when we, those trials come, then we follow him with all of our heart. We follow him with all of our soul. We follow him with all of our mind. And we put all of our strength into it. Matthew 10.30 says this. And the very hairs on your head are what? All numbered. So you wondered how detailed God is? He knows even the very number of hairs on my head. He doesn't have to count as long as he used to. But that's Okay. I'm glad he knows the numbers of hairs on my head. Sometimes we think God is standoffish. Sometimes we think God is not involved around. But listen, church, if God knows the very numbers of hairs on your head, that should tell you that he is intricately involved in your life and knows what's going on and wants to be a part. That bewilders me. He knows the numbers of hairs on my head. Have you ever tried counting the numbers of hairs on your head? Some of you, it's real easy because you don't have any. I understand that. Some of you, like my daughter Carly's got hair beyond tomorrow. I could not imagine trying to count all the hairs on Carly's head. But God knows exactly every number. Read your Bible. Genesis, the Bible says that God created the stars and he calls them by what? Name. And the stars are uncountable. Don't tell me that God's not detailed. God is very detailed. And we 
have to be detailed. Listen to this quote by John Wooden. He said, it's the little details that are vital. Little things make big things happen. Do you realize it's those little details in your life that are going to make you successful or make you fail? It's those little details in our life that's either going to propel us forward or it's going to retract us backward. Sometimes it's the absence of details in our life that do that. It's the little things. As they say, it's not the mountain that causes us not to climb. It's the little pebbles that causes us not to climb the mountain. It's those little things we allow in our life that aren't from the Lord that will cause us to trip, to fall, and ultimately destroy our lives and the lives around us. Paul Oster says this, The truth of the story lies in the details. If you really want to know the truth about God, get involved in the details of His Word. If you really want to know the truth about your life, get involved in the details of your life. We don't care how you act here at River of Life. Well, we do care. But really, how do you act in the privacy of your home will determine who you really are. What you do in the late night hours will determine who you really are. What you say in the privacy with other people is who you really are. See, it's the details. The truth lies in the details of our life. And we must know that God wants to be a part of all of our life. The second word that I want us to see this morning comes from that same verse. And he says, so they will be sure to remember. Remember. One of the saddest things you'll ever see is a person that has developed Alzheimer's. uh, Trying to remember things, trying to grab a hold of things. They fight, they struggle to try to recall um, who you are, who they are, where they're at, why are they here. And in their brain, they're struggling so hard to remember because they want to get back to that point in their life where everything was a clear, a clear recollection to them. We need to remember what God has done in our life. We need to remember God's Word We need to remember God's love. We need to remember God's faithfulness. We need to remember God's sovereignty. And most of all, we need to remember that God is God and we're not. Psalms 42 verses 5 through 8 says this. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? Rhetorical questions. I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now, I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. There's that word, I'll remember you. Even from the distant Mount Hermon, the source of Jordan, from the land of Mizar, I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But notice what he says. But each day the Lord pours out his unfailing love upon me, And through each night, I will sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. There went the butterflies, unicorns, and rainbows. Your life is not going to be easy, but it can be at peace. Your life may have some challenges to it, but it won't have to have any regrets. If we remember the word of God, And we remember the heart of God. 
In fact, that's the psalmist. He's like, Lord, why am I in this mess? What's going on with me? Why am I going? Did you ever realize the mess you're in? It could be because, number one, God's trying to get you out of the mess you're in because you've made too many bad decisions in your life and God's trying to, to move you out of that situation. So he brings heartache and havoc in your life to move you forward. Maybe he's trying to grow you because you've become somewhat content in your spiritual life and God says, I'm going to grow you now. Listen, ask any athlete if they're ever going to be a great athlete. It always comes with pain. It always comes with trial. It always comes with somebody pushing them a little further, a little further, a little further so they can lift more and more. They can run faster and faster. They can become better because somebody has to push them. And every now and then you're in these moments because God's trying to just grow you in your faith. Or maybe you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. God's just trying to remove you and he's having to push you out of that way. Whatever it may be, I want you to know today, church, is that we need to remember the love of the Lord in our life. We forget so quickly what God has done in our life. The moment a bad problem comes up in our life, we think God's bailed on us. Could be you bailed on the Lord. The moment heartache comes up, we're asking God, where are you at? And maybe God's been asking you, where have you been? It's so easy to remember the hurts in our lives and so easy to forget the good things that the Lord has done for us. And God wants you to remember. Listen, if anything else, if not anything else ever happens in your life, remember the cross of Jesus Christ and that's enough. If you don't accomplish anything in life, if you're truly miserable and just you feel like you're a loser, just remember the cross of Jesus Christ. It's what sets us separate from the rest of the world. It's the cross of Jesus Christ that makes us free. It's the cross of Jesus Christ that allows us to be a new creature and a new person. It's the cross of Jesus Christ that will allow us to accomplish anything and everything we put our mind and heart to. It's the cross of Jesus Christ that will make you victorious in anything and everything in life. It's the cross. Nothing more, nothing less. So when you're having the pity party and somebody calls you for the pity party, say, remember the cross. That's all you have to say. Remember the cross, and that should change them. Yes. Psalm 77, 11 and 12 says this. But then I recall all you've done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. God, think about what God's done in your life right now. Some of you have a wonderful family. Some of you have tremendous health. Some of you have a great job. Man, the fact that you're here should be enough. You're able to come here and worship. God's done some great things in our life. Man, we, we complain because the internet goes down. Man, what a heartache. What a, let me tell you what, the greatest heartache I had moving last May was we went from high-speed internet to like slow-speed or no internet almost. And it was like a mate. You thought the world had come to an end at my house. I mean, but that's the way we are. We're just, we're just, please me, help me out. I want my life to be easy. Help me out. Listen, remember all the good things the Lord has done for you. Here's a quote 
It's always the small pieces that make the big picture. It's always the small pieces in our lives that make the big picture. If, if your picture in life right now is kind of confusing, it, it's kind of blackened, it's kind of darkened, it doesn't look good, it's probably because you're putting all the wrong pieces in your life. And that's the way it looks. When you start putting the details of the Lord in your life, you know what your life's going to look like? It's going to look grand and glorious because you will be the shining light of the Lord. You will be His trophy. And you will be what He's called you to be. But if right now your life looks dark and looks kind of dreary and glim, it's because you are putting the wrong pieces in your life and more than likely it's the wrong details in your life. John 14, 26 says it no better than this. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Without the Holy Spirit, we're nothing. He is our teacher. He is our guide. He is our convictor. He is the one that gives us strength and fills us and empowers us. And if right now you are weak, anemic, and, and just weary, it could be you're in full of sin. It could be you're lacking the Holy Spirit. I don't know. But here's what I do know. When the Lord is the Lord of my life and the Holy Spirit is in and flowing through my life, man, life's good. Life's good. And if life's not good right now, probably because God is not in the details of your life. Last word is follow. Not only are we supposed to, memory says, write down all these specification decrees as they watch so they will be sure to remember and follow them. Hey, listen guys, it's one thing to remember the Bible, it's another thing to follow the Bible. And, and we've got to learn to follow God's word. And, and that's challenging. It's challenging for me sometimes. I let my flesh and my heart get in, in the way and it becomes a challenge for me. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 33 says this, You shall walk in all, there's that key word again, all the way that the Lord your God has commanded you. And when we walk in all the way that God's commanded us, guess what? We will live. And that we may, and things will go well with us, and that you may live long in the land you shall possess. Man, we follow the Lord in all of our ways. Man, He's going to direct our path. When we follow the Lord, He's going to give us life. When we quit following the Lord is when we get into trouble. And, and that is challenging. Here's another one, Psalms 119, 133. Direct my steps by your word, and let no iniquity have dominion over me. It's the word of God that will give you power over sin. It's the word of God that will give you the direction to take in your life. It's the word of God that will enable you to make the wise choice. It's the word of God that will keep your mouth shut when it needs to stay shut. It's the word of God that will tell you to open your mouth when you need to open your mouth. It's God's word that will change your very heart and your very life. Notice what it says. Direct my steps by your word and let no iniquity. See, the psalmist knew, God, when, when sin comes in my life, it's because I have literally just shoved your word out of the way and I'm running my life. And when I run my life, Lord, man, sin overtakes me real quick. 
And when we allow our when we allow sin to get in our life, once again, it's the details. Man, we fall quick and fast. And it's hard not to. And a lot of times we think we're doing the right thing when we're doing the wrong thing. And and I can I can testify this. So back at Christmas, we went on vacation. And we we go down to Orlando and so I have my my phone out listening to the directions and hey just to let you know I was listening to a woman give me directions um, and and I missed my turn and all of a sudden she starts rerouting me and I drive for about five minutes and I'm thinking what is this crazy woman doing I am not even going in the right direction I mean I have passed two different ways I think I could have turned around and gone and she's not even leading and in my mind, I'm thinking, she's not even leading me. I mean, I'm like supposed to be going east, and I'm going west. And, and so I'm, you know, you may not do this, but every now and then I talk to my cell phone. And so here I am arguing with the cell phone, and I've got four other people in the car just kind of going, oh, no, here goes Dad. We, what do we do? And finally, it was the consensus to, to take another direction. And so we start taking another direction, and, and in my brain, I'm thinking, we're still not going the right way. So I went back to square one after about another 10 minutes, put back on the GPS, and where I turned around to leave where this crazy woman told me to go, I followed it, and two minutes later, I was at my destination. <laughs> Although in my mind, I felt like we were completely going the wrong direction. And in my visual, in my eyes, I'm pretty, when I go somewhere, I'm pretty focused. I'm like, everything in my mind Everything in my being told me, no, 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 even though this thing told me, yes. And because I allowed my emotions and my senses to override the guide, it kept us about another 25 minutes from reaching our destination. And sometimes you do the same thing. The Lord will tell you to do something, and in your mind and in your heart and in your gut, you say, God, that is bizarre. God, that is not even close to where I'm going or what I'm doing. And Lord, if I know I get there, trouble's coming and that won't even work out. And so what you do, you just turn the guide off and, and you start heading your way. And then after a day, a week, a month, a year, you go, how in the world did I even get in this trouble? It's because you turned the guide off. And the guide was trying to help you. And I know, like I was that morning, my family, I was aggravated. I was mad. I mean, I'm supposed to be on vacation, enjoying vacation. And I am, I am mad because of this guide. And sometimes we get mad because the guide tells us to do things that we don't feel in our gut is right. Church, when the Lord tells you to do something, please shut your brain down, shut your emotions down and say, God, I hear you, I am going that way. And you will be better off. John 8.12 says this, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. See, we're in darkness today because we're not following the light. We're following our own agenda. We're following somebody else's agenda. If we'll follow the Lord, he will keep us in the light. 
Some of us have far too many questions because we have ditched the Lord and we have started our own journey. Some of us have far too many problems because God is not in the details of our life. We are walking in darkness today because we are not following the light of the Lord. One of the craziest things I ever heard a pastor said, you know, I'm, I'm going to step out into the darkness on faith. That is so wrong. When you step out on faith, you're not stepping out in the darkness, you're stepping out into the what? The light. When God tells you to step out, you're not stepping out in the darkness. You call it darkness because you don't know what's ahead. But if you'll step out on faith into the, into the light of the Lord, He will lead you, He will guide you, He will direct you. But we spend too much time trying to figure it out on our own. I saw this quote this past week. This is like probably going to be like one of my all-time favorite quotes. And it's by Edwin Arlington Robinson. Listen to this. The world is a kind of spiritual kindergarten where millions of bewildered infants are trying to spell God with the wrong blocks. Do you understand what he's saying? He understands that the world is trying to find eternal life with the wrong source. The world is trying to find peace with the wrong book. The world is trying to find hope without Christ. He says that the world is like a million infants trying to spell God with the wrong blocks. Maybe that's what you've been doing today. Maybe you've been trying to spell life with the wrong blocks. Maybe you've been doing it all the wrong way. See, God wants us to be fully involved with Him with all of our details. God wants every detail of your life. God wants you to remember all that He's done for you and all He can do for you. And of course, God wants you to follow Him with everything in your being. And the reason for that is, we find it in verse 12. And this is the basic law of the temple, absolute holiness. Church, holiness is not a hard thing to have when God is in every detail of your life. When you are remembering from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed what God is doing in your life. When you are following His every word and His every heartbeat. When you are doing that, it's not hard to be holy. In fact, absolute holiness means absolute God. God wants to be absolute in your life. Period. Nothing more, nothing less. He wants to be your absolute. But somewhere we have not allowed God to be in the details of our life. And you must understand, when God is not in the details of your life, trouble is coming. You fight with your emotions, you fight with the world's influence, you fight with your friend's influence, and it's going to get you further and further in trouble not realizing it. For instance, you think about a mate or a spouse, you go, I know they need to be a Christian. But man, they're such a good person, I guess this one little area won't hurt. And then you get married. And then you will have a hard time understanding that for the rest of your life, why they don't attend church. Well, it won't hurt for this one time for me to cheat on my taxes. After all, it's been a rough year. The Lord understands. And then you go to prison for tax evasion. It's okay with the music I listen to. It's just a little detail in my life. 
But see, that music has words, and those words get into your brain. And then you sing them rather than singing to the Lord. Let me just make it clear to you. We'll just do it the easy way. Let's give a, a, just a simple day of life. When you get up in the morning, I know God is the first thing you think of in the morning because you say, oh, Lord, it's morning. <laughs> i got to get up five more minutes, five more, five more minutes. But see, God wants to be in every detail of your life. So finally, when you roll out of bed, okay, fall out of bed, okay, and you begin the day, do you ask yourself the question, what do I need to listen to while I'm getting ready to go to work or go to school? Or what am I listening to? God, what do you want me to listen to today? And as you go towards the, the dresser or the closet, God, what do you want me to wear today? What you think, that's like the most bizarre thing, Pastor Chuck. Pray without ceasing. We pray for everything. Lord, I've got a boss. How do you want me to respond to this today? I've got a, an employee or, or a co co-worker. How do you want me to react? See, every facet of our life ought to involve the asking, the inquiring, and the following what God wants us to do. But so many times we don't. The Bible doesn't have everything in life. But it's got enough to get you there. And what I mean by that, like, the, like for instance, the Bible doesn't have how for me to hit a golf ball perfectly straight every time I swing. doesn't have that in there. I wish it did. It helped me out. But it doesn't. But the Bible does tell me how to be at peace and how to ask and how to seek and how to knock. God needs to be in every area in every facet of our life see the reason why the devil is in the details is because the lord is not and when you say it's okay for me to live with somebody rather than be married what you don't understand is you're creating a, an effect a ripple effect like in the pond that's not only going to affect you it's going to affect those around you when you say it's okay to yell at my wife what you don't understand is that you're going to create an effect, a ripple effect in your children and those around you. God wants to be involved in every detail of your life. And when he's not, trouble is coming. And that's why most of us are in the problems we are today is because we haven't allowed the Lord to be in every detail of our life. Let me finish with this. For those who golf, You'll understand this. You can get on a green sometimes in golf, and, and you can be 10, 12 feet away from the hole, and you can look at that hole and go, that ball is truly going to break to the left. I, I can see it. It's going to curve that way, maybe a foot, 18 inches that way. I mean, I can see that. And then you got your friend on the other side of the hole saying, oh, no, 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 it's going to curve to your right, not your left. But see, everything in your eyes, everything that you perceive and conceive and relate says, no, it's not. I can, and they'll say, well, you need to come around on this side and see how it's going to do this. And, and so then you get a little confused. And, you know, I don't know if it's going to break left or break right. Well, some golfers will then grab their putter. And they hold their putter up to a straight line. And then they look at the cup. The putter becomes a plumb line. And then that plumb line will tell me 
which way that ball is going to break. Is it going to break their left? Or break? I don't have to listen to my friend anymore. I don't even have to listen to my own crazy thinking. I will use the putter to determine by a plumb line which way the ball is going to roll. And the putter being the plumb line will tell me. The guesswork is out of it. Some of you today have allowed your gut and your feelings and your emotions to say what I'm doing, how I'm living is okay. And when you get to the end of life, you're going to be like some of us. Your life is going to veer so far to the left, you're going to miss heaven because of what you're doing. What you need in your life is not your feelings and not your emotions. It's called the plumb line, God's word, that will tell you when you're doing right, when you're doing wrong. Because see, the Lord makes it clear. He's establishing a temple. And in his temple, he requires one thing and one thing only, absolute holiness. And without that, will anyone ever see the kingdom of God? Just that simple. And if you're judging and basing your life today on your feelings and upon what feels good for you and what's working for you, you're going to veer hard to the left and you're going to miss the kingdom of God. It's time we allow God to be in every detail of our life, allow God's word to be the plumb line so that truly we can live a life that is absolute holy. Pray with me. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.